Welcome to episode 198 of the Various Assembly Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is ready to embrace all that fall brings, John Scott Sloat. How is that, Doc? How am I embracing <laughs> all the things? It's that the fall? leaves. It's the food. It's the it's the lack of sunshine. The it's fall dampness. The it's the quarter zips. It's the warmer clothes. It's I mean, the, I I do have on a quarter zip today. You yeah. have some sort of flannel hoodie thing going on. It's a shacket. A shacket? Are you not familiar with that term? No. I mean, I, it's a shirt that's also a jacket. It's a it's a flannel. A very fuzzy flannel, as you can see the inside. Yeah, it's got a good lining. Yeah. But it's got a built-in hoodie. So it's uh-huh. a shirt and a jacket, hence a shacket. shacket. Yeah. Hmm. Is is the shirt itself advertised that way, or I is this so. something you've done? Oh, no, 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 no. This is not my term. No. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we are recording on uh, our fall break. Yep. I suppose students aren't here. Yeah, I mean – that doesn't mean anything to you really anymore. Well, in you, your w- department. you want to know what students had Friday off, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Friday and, and then this Monday. Yeah. And I pulled on campus on Friday and just went, what happened? <laughs> Did you miss the rapture? <laughs> um, so that was one thought I had. Another thought I had was there was a time change that I had just missed. Mm. And I was to work an hour early. That was the other thought I had. That's coming up though, right? A couple weeks yet? I think it's in November. That's too late. Is it too late? It's too late. It needs to be moved up. Mm. I don't know. I was thinking November. I looked it up no, no, recently. No, no, I'm saying I think oh, you're it, right. Oh, oh, In my oh, personal I opinion, I wish it was earlier. That, I'd rather just abolish it altogether. I don't know. I like the summer evenings where the sun's setting at like 930. I like those. I just think we should need to, need to end it sooner because mm. by the time they end it in like the first week of November – um, it's dark till like eight thirty yeah. in the morning. It's rough when you're starting. I remember teaching class yeah. and it was still dark. And you're rolling pitch in, black and it's outside. pitch black, like it's the middle. That's of the tough. Night. It's tough. All right. Uh, if you'd like to contact the show, you can find us on Twitter at vnspod. You could email the show various and sundry podcast at gmail dot com. You can find us on Facebook and on YouTube, and of course. Uh, we would love for you to leave a five-star rating and a review. And John, is, as, as I mentioned in the intro, this is episode 198, meaning we are just two episodes away from the big 200. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, that's... It is. Gosh, that's a, that's a lot of episodes. I'd be curious. I'm sure there are stats out there somewhere. Like, how many podcasts, like what percentage of podcasts... Do 200 episodes. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's got to be small. It's got to be pretty small. There's so many podcasts out there that start off and then just fizzle. Fizzle. Mm-hmm. But we are here for And we have a very special episode planned for episode 200. Knock on wood. Yeah. Something that has never been done in the history of the Various Sundry Podcasts. Yep, that has a 200 episode history now. Yeah. Or close to 200 episode history. Yeah. So, should be fun. That's something to look forward to. Indeed. Something unprecedented. All right, you ready to talk some sports? Sure. 
Uh, you want to start with college football or NFL? Let's do college. All right. So uh, this weekend, Ohio State pummeled Purdue. Yeah, you called it a trap game last week. Well, they've had they've had some stunning losses at Purdue in the past, mm. but uh, Ohio State dominated from the start. And uh, the most encouraging thing out of that whole thing was uh, not to go too deep dive on this, but uh, Ohio State has struggled to run the ball consistently. And um, there have been a lot of, I think, legitimate criticisms of the offensive line as well as scheme, like basically trying to run a run scheme that our offensive linemen were not best suited for. Hmm. And this week it felt like the coaches actually took seriously, okay, that old stuff's not working. Let's try a bunch of new stuff. And they found some success in some things. I appreciate when coaches do that and yeah. not just stay true to what the plan was. You know, they're, they're able to shift and make adjustments. Well, and, you know, at some point you just have to realize we might prefer this scheme, but maybe our players just don't fit that scheme. Yeah. And so let's change the scheme a little bit to fit what our players do well. And so I was more encouraged at, at what I saw there in terms of that. Um, now, they have a big test coming up this upcoming weekend playing at home against Penn State. Bum, bum, bum. So that's a huge matchup. Um, and although I'm not like radiating optimism about that matchup, I feel much better about it now than I did last week. In okay. light of some of the positive changes I saw in terms of what our offense is trying to do. So we'll see. We'll see if it works. But – if they had just kept doing the same things that weren't working again mm-hmm. this past week, I would have been like, we're done. By the way, going going to the Wayback Machine, did Ryan Day ever find Lou Holtz? Uh, I'm not aware that he did. Okay. I'm just curious. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it has produced some good memes. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, he, 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 he did not call out any former Purdue coaches at the end of this game. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't even know who to call out. Drew Brees. I mean, he played quarterback. Quarterback. There, yeah. I mean, where's fine. Drew Brees? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, otherwise, uh, let's see. Um, once again, Michigan plays nobody, so they rolled comfortably. I was offered tickets to that game. Were you really? Yep. By our chaplain, offered me a ticket. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame dominated the University of Spoiled Children. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who. Notre Dame is like like they lose to Ohio State a close game. Mm-hmm. They got beat by Louisville. Yes, and then they step in into Southern California and dominate. Yes, uh, who are they? Well, I think they're a very good football team that just played through an incredibly tough stretch of games. They had Ohio State at home, then they went on the road at Duke, who was number ten in the country at that. That's point. right, I forgot about Duke. Had a last minute win. Then went to Louisville, and you could just tell, I think, they were just gassed. Hmm. Louisville uh, beat them. And then they exposed how overrated USC is. Hmm. USC's defense is atrocious. Uh, and then the – but really the other big game uh, was um, Oregon against Washington. Did you catch any of this? Uh, I know there was a major upset. I know well, Washington I, beat Oregon. I wouldn't call it a major upset, though. They were Enough to storm the, the field. They're both ranked in the top ten. Oh, um, the the big story really coming out of that is the fact that um, 
the uh, Oregon's coach went for it on fourth down three times in this game and didn't get it. Wow. Twice in the red zone. And then wrap your brain around this. Oregon is up four with about okay. a minute 45 left. They have fourth and two. Fourth and two. At okay. midfield. They went for it? They went for it. Instead of punting the ball and pinning Washington deep and forcing them to drive the length Ugh. of the field. They went for it. Didn't get it. Washington scores too quickly, honestly. They score in like two plays. So Oregon gets the ball back, marches it down the field, and misses like a 45-yard field goal. You know, would have, that would have sent it to overtime. You know Grace has an alum that works in the uh, sports information department at, at Washington. Washington. Yes. That's pretty cool. He was posting some cool photos. Yeah, he, 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 he's, he's good at his job. He really is. Really, really good. He grew up in my neighborhood. Did you know that? Did he really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, his parents still live in our neighborhood. So That's fun. Yeah. My wife was one of his teachers. Ah, so, that's great. Yeah. Um, let's talk uh, college f- – or sorry, f- uh, pro football now. Okay. Got to start with your J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we beat the Eagles, mm-hmm. the undefeated Eagles. Yeah. Um, had three picks of Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Uh, including one on uh, – one with like a minute left in the game and we returned it to like the five and – ultimately won the game based on the touchdown we scored from there. What was great uh, about that moment was uh, the – so locally we had Lions Buccaneers. Yeah. And they cut about two plays before that interception. Hmm. So I got to see that interception and Andrea's right next to me. A rare moment she's watching football. <laughs> and uh, Tony Adams intercepts the balls running back. Uh Stiff arms Jason Kelsey yeah. on the way back. And my wife goes, well, his name's Kelsey. Is that Taylor Swift's Kelsey? <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> babe. That's Jason Kelsey. That's his older brother. Yeah. He's married. You know, here, here's a little bit about Jason Kelsey. He goes, oh, I've listened to his podcast before. What? Yes. Your wife has listened to their podcast? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people that uh, are – I think the subscribers to that podcast oh, went sure. through the roof. I'm sure. And so she she clarified that she had not like gone out and sought that podcast and listened to it but had seen clips of it on I see. Instagram and things like that. I see. But it was just fu- – I just died laughing that she knew – she's like, oh, I've listened to Jason Kelsey's podcast. Hmm. I've never listened to the Kelsey Brothers podcast. Yeah. So apparently the secret to growing the audience of a podcast is for one of the hosts to date a superstar. Yeah, yeah. So which one of us is going to take the bullet? That's not going to (laughs) happen for either of us. For either of us. Uh, I guess there are limits to what we'll do to grow the podcast. Yes, yes. Yeah. Morals indeed. Uh, I'd be remiss if we did not mention that the Browns – Beat the undefeated 49ers yeah. as well. So with, both without, I mean, the Browns were playing with with basically some guy they brought off the street to play quarterback. I mean, they're they don't have Deshaun Watson right now. Yep. Um, now it's a great win. Browns played great. Their defense was terrific. Though I will say, at the risk of inciting the ire of some Browns fans, the 49ers did end up. Losing Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey in that game, okay, to injury. But you know, it's the NFL. 
Injuries happen. Injuries happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, props to the Browns for, for a – that's a big win. Now, it also – again, risking the ire here. It is an advantage to be the Browns and play a 1 o'clock kickoff against a West Coast team. Oh, because you're on your natural time Three hour zone. time yeah. difference, right? So body clock still maybe at about 10 a.m. You know, I know they go a few days early and try to adjust their body clocks. I get it. But anyway, none of that takes away from the fact that the Browns just beat beat a very good football team. The team, Probably the best team in the NFC, don't you think? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, between them and the Eagles, yeah. Yeah, props to them. So are we? maybe are we learning that the NFC is not as good as the AFC then? Because the two best NFC teams lost to AFC teams that are not at the top of their divisions. Yeah, maybe, maybe. It's I mean, what too small of a sample? Size. What? Yeah. What? What? What AFC teams would be better than the Eagles or the 49ers? The Chiefs haven't been great this they year. They have not. I mean, they've they've been winning games. And They'll probably turn it on back half. And the Bills, they they've been disappointing. I mean, they struggled to beat a Giants team last night that they should not be struggling to beat. Yeah. So. Um, the Dolphins? Yeah. Yeah, the Dolphins have been good. Been scary I good. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, Ohio State update, obviously. Justin Fields got hurt in the Browns game. Dislocated his thumb. So in the Browns it. game? Uh, no, sorry, no. Bears game. Bears game. Yeah. Uh, and C.J. Stroud finally threw a pick. Okay. So he threw two or three touchdown passes as well. So, you know. The Texans win? They did. Who'd they beat? Washington? I think so. I'd have to look it up. But, I mean, the fact that we're in game, what, game six now before he finally threw a pick? Yeah. um, I think he's performing way better than anybody expected, honestly. I mean, he's the number two pick, but you just don't expect. Yeah, so is Zach Wilson. (laughs) That's true. That's true. He has been better than people expect. By the way, I, I forgot to mention this. Maybe the biggest news to come out this weekend for the Jets is that video clip. I'm sure you've seen of it. Aaron Rodgers throwing Aaron the football. Aaron Rodgers standing up and just like leisurely throwing the football, not on crutches. Yep, just not in a boot, not in a boot, just throwing a football. There's talk. I mean, some of the reporters are saying he's going to be back this like regular season. That'd be remarkable. Have they come up with some new treatment for Achilles injuries that makes this possible. I mean, I'm sure his treatment involves shrooms and other uh, <laughs> uh, maybe uh, illicit drugs, but uh, yeah, it's possible that could be a part of it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty interesting, though. I mean, I'll, if he comes back this season, it'll be it'll be kind of like. Do you remember when Adrian Peterson tore his ACL and like yeah. was was back in like six months or whatever it right. was? It'll be like that. Yeah. Even maybe a little bit more impressive, seeing how much older he is than Adrian Peterson sure. was during during that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it just made me wonder, what have they done? What what medical advances have they made in treatment that that looks like? I mean, when he had that injury, and and, and people were talking about, well, he's hoping that he'd get back if they could get to the playoffs. That's ridiculous. Achilles are a nine to twelve month. Yeah, thing. I was thinking training camp next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if he could be back in, well, that was what, September? September 11th. Yeah, there you go. He he could be back in like three and a half months. That'd be wild. That'd be unprecedented. That'd be absolutely wild. Yeah. All right. We should probably move on. You ready to move on? Sure. 
Today we continue our series in 2 Peter and the series of uh, character qualities that we are to uh, pursue as Christians. And so today we are at godliness. Uh, so John, why don't you go ahead and read just to reorient our conversation. Second uh, Peter 1, starting in verse 4. Five and going through verse 8. Okay. Uh, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours... And are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So we're talking godliness today. Um, Indeed. It's, uh, I mean, this is, this is, in one sense, one of those characteristics that I think is um, a little broader yeah. than some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Some of the other ones feel more specific. Uh, to me, uh, godliness feels like it's a little bit more of a of a broad term, uh, and so yeah, I think this was my attempt to to flesh out what a definition would be. Uh, it's a Godward orientation of life expressed in thoughts, feelings, attitudes, speech, and action. Um, so I think that's kind of a where I would start uh, if you think of. Just the fact that the entirety of one's life is oriented towards God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think that's that speaks to the totality of of the nature of godliness. It's a holistic concept. Um, how do you think? Uh, what comes to your mind when you when you think of that term godliness? You know, I was just thinking about this a little bit before we hopped on the pod, um, and. Sometimes different authors of scripture talk about the same thing with using mm-hmm. using different words. Yep. And anytime I think about godliness, I think about John uh, John's concept of like abiding or remaining. Okay. Uh, so think John fifteen, uh, abide in the vine. Uh, you know, uh, you know what what does it mean to abide in Jesus, or what does it mean to abide with God? And mm-hmm. I think this covers a lot of it that. As you're going throughout your day, you sort of have this perspective of uh, having God with you and and mm-hmm. having a pious orientation yeah. toward Him. Whether it's you know sending an email, uh, giving you know you know trying to think of it as you're giving feedback on a paper for mm-hmm. you and me that matters. You know, yeah. uh, for you know how we deal with our grocer, um, how we deal with just about anybody in our lives. You know, you know mm-hmm. that's kind of godliness. and I, So I pair godliness and abiding from John's gospel together. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I think um, in terms of trying to think of analogies, you know, I think of one obvious one that comes to my mind is um, uh, a compass. Mm. You know, n- no matter what direction you're facing – the needle on the compass is pointing north. Mm-hmm. So it orients you that no matter what, where you're facing, you know, well, that's north. 
that that's a fixed reality. Yeah. And from that, I can then orient myself, whatever I'm doing, whatever direction I'm heading. Um, that that's kind of the way I think about godliness in terms of the orientation of our lives is directed towards God, mm-hmm. which then helps give us a sense of direction and purpose and also shapes whatever we're doing hmm. um, in terms of actions, speech, etc. Have you ever tried to walk with a compass? Like, uh, not recently. <laughs> I so, mean, I probably did as a kid at some point, I, but... I remember being I remember being in high school and going on a, a wilderness retreat and mm-hmm. I remember they were like, All right, you're gonna follow this trajectory on your compass and you're gonna go that way. And I remember I just sort of blitzed off in that direction. But then there were a couple of couple of guys who like knew what they were doing mm-hmm. and we kind of stayed with them and they would stand in one spot, say, We're gonna go at this direction. They would send somebody out and they would walk twenty five, thirty yards basically hold up a handkerchief and he would say one step to the left, one step to the right until they were right on it and then say stop and then that guy would walk to him and then they'd do that again until they got to where that are where they ultimately wanted to go. And I think that connects with godliness a, a little bit, that sort of precision, uh, that sort of direction, that sort of yeah. uh, preciseness comes along with it. Yeah, and I think um – one of the values of talking about godliness is uh, because it's such a broad and general term. Mm-hmm. And it, it it goes against this tendency that I see in our culture and even I see it I see it in our in, 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 in the church. I see it among our students. Um, this tendency to um, divide up your life into different categories, of which the spiritual is one category. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, I've got you know my my uh, physical life, taking care of my body, you know, eating, exercise, whatever. Sure. And I've got my sort of mental health, uh, and I've got um, my academic stuff. And like, you divide your life up into all these little tidy little categories, and then you go, well, and then of course there's my spiritual life, mm-hmm. as if that's like one of three, five, seven. 12, whatever number of boxes you want to say your life consists of. Yeah. And that's not a biblical perspective at all. Mm-mm. And yet I, I hear I hear people talking in those ways and I see people in essence even kind of mapping out their day or their week or things like that. If they're a very sort of intentional kind of thoughtful person, they might be like, well, I got to make sure I, I take care of my spiritual life. And so I bracket in my – quiet time and then I bracket in my exercise time and my study time and and it's not that putting together a schedule is a bad thing. It's a yeah. great thing. It's a really helpful thing. But if you are doing that in a way that you're like, well, the spiritual area of my life is just one of those boxes that I'm trying to check, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. So how do we help people then – See the uh, see that that's not uh, not a biblical way of approaching one's life. Yeah, I mean, one way. Well, I mean, one way to think through it is to like certainly work would be a category. Yeah. In, in those boxes, like think about how your faith impacts that. You know, you know, mm-hmm. think about faith and work, or think about faith and uh, 
mental health or think about faith and, you know, fill in the blank and how I think there's broad agreement that faith should impact those things, at least among our students and probably among our church-going listeners, right? Um, I would hope so. Yeah. um, So how does it impact that and how does Mm -hmm. it engage those topics? That's naturally what comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah, I think of a couple of passages. Um, I mean, I think of the fact that, uh, you know, when Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Like, And again, he's not saying, well, these are the four categories. There's your strength category. There's your <laughs> soul category. There's your mind category. No, it's his way of saying with everything you are. Everything. Mm-hmm. With everything you are, which, of course, he's just really quoting – Deuteronomy 6. So right. it's not like he's coming up with something new. The Shema. Uh, and, and so I think that's where I'd start to point people towards texts specifically like, no, 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 no. That's, 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 not, that's not how it works. Like you can't just divide your life up and make the spiritual one of several or many. It's supposed to be the totality of your life is oriented towards God. And then that means you have to do the hard work of figuring out, okay, so what does it mean for me to love God with the way that I work, the Mm -hmm. way that I study, the way that I treat my body, the way that I um, interact with others? In all those different contexts, what does it look like to love God? Um, Another text I'd point people to is is Romans 12, the whole idea of uh, offer your lives as living sacrifice. Mm. Offer yourself as living sacrifices. Like the totality of your life is to be offered as a sacrifice to God. Mm-hmm. So it's not even um, a sort of well, yeah. I, I check the the spiritual box. I go to church on Sundays. I yeah. check the box. I have my quiet times. I check the box, um, and that undercuts the like. You are supposed to be experiencing. This gets back to the abide stuff, like. You're supposed to be experiencing the presence of God in every aspect of your life mm-hmm. and trying to orient what you're doing, thinking, saying, believing, feeling towards God and what his word says. Yeah. And those are controllable realities as well. Like, like you know, like just hearing you say, I'm supposed to direct how I feel yeah. to- toward God. Well, that's something you can control and worship God with. or Or at least that you – Make every effort to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, feelings and emotions are tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the there's extremes, right? There's those who are just completely given over to them, yeah. and are just like, well, whatever my emotions go, that's where I go to, and I don't try to fight against it. And there are those who, you know, think that all emotions are somehow bad, and like try to stuff them or avoid them, and. The biblical pictures are emotions need to be sanctified Mm -hmm. and that the Psalms regularly talk to us about how we should feel. I know pop psychology says otherwise, but God God considers himself to have the authority, the right to say, here's how you should feel. You should grieve over that. Mm -hmm. You should rejoice over this. You should delight in this. You should hate that. It's all over the Psalms. Yeah. And so uh, I think part of part of the way that we try to retrain our emotions is to immerse ourselves in the word so that our 
emotions start to line up with what God loves and with what God hates and with what God wants us to delight in and what he wants us to reject and those sorts of things. Hmm. And also, honestly, that's where I think corporate worship helps Hmm. as well because good corporate worship reorients our emotions as well as assuming it's based on truth in the lyrics and that sort of thing. We're not just talking about emotionalism. But I think corporate worship can help that as a sort of reorienting of this is what is good and beautiful and what I should long for and what I should not long for. Yeah. And I think that's an under that's an underappreciated aspect of gathering in the body, I think. Yeah. That's always my so I I run into a seminarian every now and then who goes mm-hmm. like, My goodness, I wish I could just have two sermons and get rid of the music in church. And my pushback is like, you know, actually corporate worship's a good thing. Yeah. It's been part of the Christian tradition for a long time. Ephesians talks about corporate worship. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, th- these are these are positive things that that turn your emotions yeah. to, to God. Well, and and you think about it, um, which are there more of in the Bible, songs or written out sermons? It's songs. It's got to be songs. Yeah, I mean, there's 150 of them in the Book of Psalms by themselves, let alone other places. Yeah, there's not 150 like summary slash transcripts of sermons mm-hmm. in the Bible. There's there's a number of them. Yeah. But there's not 150. And so that's just a okay, well, there should be a both and here, yes, not an yes, either not or. Neither or. Mm-hmm. But um, I've I've run into some people that want the opposite, right? They oh, want yeah. their, they want their whole service to be right. singing. Yeah. yeah, okay, fine. If someone wants to give up and give give like a little 5-minute devotional, great. But like give me 45 minutes of of music and worship. I'm like, well, no. Yeah. I mean, we need both. Mm-hmm. We need both. Um, any thoughts, any last thoughts on, on godliness or even how we can cultivate that? I mean, we've talked about corporate worship a little yeah. bit. We've talked about, obviously, participation in a local church. Those are kind of givens. I even think just slowing down in the midst of your day, maybe not physically slowing down, but mentally slowing down yeah. and just taking a – deep breath and saying a quick prayer under your breath, you know, just like, Lord, help me orient this to, toward you. Help me uh-huh. help me uh, live out your values and virtues yeah. now. And, you know, you know, and sort of slowing down in that regard can be a good way to abide. Yeah. Something that I started doing about maybe a couple of years ago now is once I made the transition back to um, – I mean, I, I keep track of my tasks and calendar digitally, but I have a a moleskin notebook basically mm-hmm. that I interact with more in terms of just like the the daily like here's here's what's on the agenda today. This meeting, this class, these tasks have to get done. Well, what I started doing was whatever uh, I pick a verse or two from whatever chapter of the Bible I read that sm- that morning, hmm. and I write it out at the top of that page. So every time I'm looking back at what what else is on my agenda today, what am I doing, hmm. I can look back at that and it helps reorient me a little bit in terms of like, oh, yeah, that struck me this morning as something I needed to hear or remember or trust in or turn from or whatever. Yeah, small rebellion against the flesh. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So it's a small thing, but I, I've, I've found it, I found it to be helpful. 
All right, John, you ready to move on? Sure. Time now for This Day in Sports History. All right, today in Sports History, October 17th. 2023, year of our Lord. Two weeks away from Reformation Day and, and the two, day wow. episode 200. I mean, could that be more? Wow. I mean, talk about God's sovereignty. The episode 200 of our pod drops on Reformation Day. I just need to take a moment. <laughs> Martin Luther would be proud. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Is he much of a sportsman? I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. I could see him getting into like UFC or, oh, yeah. you know, something. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, all right. Uh, this day in sports history, 1956, uh, chess, the game of the century. 13 year old Bobby Fischer defeats uh, 1953 U.S. champion Donald Brine uh, in the Rosenwald Memorial Tournament at Marshall Chess Club in New York City. How's your chess game? I know the rules. <laughs> I don't know strategy. Okay. So I think I can get out there and move some pieces around, but I I'm about the same. I, I don't know that I'd I'd win. But thirteen years old. Yeah, Bobby beating the national well, champ. Did you see the Bobby Fisher movie? I never did, no. Uh he was a disturbed fella. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a biography worth reading. The Bobby Could Fisher be. biography. Yeah. Um if anybody has any recommendations, let me know. There you go. Um by the way, when I mentioned Rita's on here several weeks ago, do you remember this, the, the little ice cream place I yeah. went to in Florida? Yeah. I got like two to three messages, either by text, Twitter, that there was one <laughs> in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, there you go. That that, uh, that I could go to. And you're in Columbus a decent bit. Uh, a decent bit. A few times bit. a year? Well, it's right around the corner from Zach and Ohio's uh, the mothership? house. Oh, from his house. Okay. From his house, yeah. Oh, there you go. So, all right, uh, 1968, Bjorn Firm... Did I get that right? Probably. Uh, of Sweden beats Hungary's Andras Blazo, Blazgo, <laughs> um, by just 11 points to take the gold medal in the modern uh, pentathlon. I think that's a type of pentathlon. Pentathlon. There's be an extra A in there. Okay. At the Mexico City Olympics. I have to read that again. Sorry. I didn't actually. What's a pentathlon? Five events. Five events? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's it's the half decathlon, right? Yeah. Okay. It's just half of them. So if, if you drop out of the decathlon, can you just. <laughs> I don't, anyway. I do not think so. Okay. 1979 uh, Baseball World Series, which it's funny. We're talking about the World Series in 1979 happening now. Yeah. Still got a few weeks to go. We didn't even talk about them. Baseball playoffs. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Pittsburgh Pirates beat the Baltimore Orioles 4-1 to one at Memorial Stadium for four games uh, to three series wins. Uh, MVP Pirates uh, first baseman Willie Stargell. Yeah. Man, the World Series in, October, in early October. That's weird. Ending in mid-October. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, 1983, the Green Bay Packers defeat the Washington Redskins 48-47 in the highest-scoring game in Monday Night Football history. That's a lot of points. 83. 1983, that's a lot of points for 1983. Yeah. Must be uh, a couple of porous defenses Defense there. optional there. Would that have been um, – who was the coach of the Redskins, the famous one? Oh, um, Joe Gibbs. Yeah, was Joe Gibbs coach in 83? Probably. 
Okay. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Uh, 1989, earthquake in San Francisco, uh, 6.9 on the scale. Cancels the third game of the World Series. Kills 67, uh, kills 67 people. Now, that was... Uh, I was one. Yes. So, obviously, you don't... But you, have you seen clips of I've them seen, on the air when it starts happening and then the feed goes out? Yeah, and, like, the, the highway splits in two. Yeah. Is that the it's one? Like Al Michaels and I forget who else was, was hmm. in the booth. Like, it was pregame. The game hadn't started yet. And they were doing the pregame talk and then... You, you kind of hear and see the, the camera shake, and then it's like the feed cuts out. Eerie. Yeah, that's that's weird yeah. and wild. Uh, 1989, or excuse me, I just did that one. Yep. 2008. Uh, oh, here's the one with the name. <laughs> uh, Sachin Tendulkar uh, becomes the highest run scorer ever in test cricket, beating Brian Lara's record and passing 12,000 runs against Australia in Mohali. Props to Sachin Tendulkar. I had a listener text me this morning an article on cricket for baseball fans. Okay. I mean, I I sent you the, the you, YouTube YouTube clip. videos. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I did watch those. But, yeah. uh, yes, he sent me. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Do you have a – while you're looking for that, do you have a preference out of this? Um. Hmm. When else are we going to get Bobby Fischer? I don't know. I mean, when else are we going to get Bjorn Ferm? That's also <laughs> I mean, a good that, point. That argument runs runs multiple ways. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with Bobby Fischer if you want to go with that. I mean, Is chess sports, though? That's fair. I mean, it's – does there have to be physical exertion involved? I'm inclined to say yes. For chess? Yeah. Well, that no, that there has to be – so, so no. So to no. Okay. So I'm less inclined okay. on the lack of physical um, exertion. Man, I, I, I like the one where they cancel the World Series. I don't know who we put in the episode title for that. Earthquake yeah, in the episode we title. Could do something like that. Um, the '89 earthquake or something like that. Yeah. Who Who do you like? I, I'm I'm a little indifferent. I'd probably lean towards the earthquake. Okay. Know? Let's Let's. Do the earthquake in there you the episode go. title. Why not? The 89 earthquake. Something like that. Uh, one thing you liked? Uh, one thing I liked this week, I had been hearing about one of our cons- local constituents who I inherited from uh, the guy that had my job before me. Yeah. And he goes, John, you need to go to his house. You need to see his tools. You need to go see his tools. And I was kind of like, how cool could this be? <laughs> So I emailed this guy. I'd met with him a few times, and I scheduled an opportunity to go see his tools. He goes, his email back to me was, book about two hours. Oh, my. <laughs> I ring the doorbell at his house. And he comes out and goes, meet me around the side. That's where the workshop is. We walk into the workshop, and other than, like, the four walls, he had built everything in there. Okay. So there was a hickory floor. There was all these things. He gets all his lumber uh, from fallen trees, and all he right. goes and he buys the ones that are too skinny for the lumber mills hmm. and gets somebody to basically plane, plane out. them out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he's an antique planer collector. Huh. 
And so he has like 2,000 different types of planes, <laughs> um, specifically molding planes. Uh-huh. So they have shapes to them. Right. His oldest is from the 16, 1617, I think it was the oldest wow. one. And it's just, it's, it's a wild piece of construction. And he would just, he had some for tongue, to make tongue and groove from like the 1850s. Mm. It was wild. There, yeah. And he had one for like every pattern you could ever want. Wow. And he collected these. He even pointed to some goes, that's the only one known in existence. <laughs> wow. And it was just it was just very wild. I, I have pictures. If you're interested, you can shoot me a text. I can send you some pictures. Yeah. Um, That's funny. He, he had some like old, old stuff. And some stuff he picked up off the wall. He goes, yeah, I got this at auction. I have no clue what it was for. <laughs> it was wild. But I mean, just, and it took, I was there two and a half hours looking at tools. Yeah. It was very cool. Antique tools, all sorts of things. Uh, how how old is this gentleman? The ballpark? Uh, 70s. Okay. 70s for sure. And he is still actively doing woodworking and projects and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. He had, he had a, um, he had a little, bathroom uh, vanity that he was building for his basement mm. that looked just absolutely stunning. Nice. Absolutely stunning. Nice. Now we'll say he does not use those ancient tools because that was my initial thought. And he went, he just looked at me and goes, no, I'm not going to use those. I have modern tools right. to make this stuff so much more easily. Right. Why would I spend eight hours using that tool when I could use this one in 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was a wild, wild Yeah, that's uh, great. Time. Anyway, what's your one thing? Uh, so I, uh, just over the weekend, finished a book by John Mead and Peter Gurry called Scribes and Scripture. Uh, subtitle something like uh, The Fascinating Story of How We Got Our Bible. So it deals with issues of like um, how were the books preserved? So textual criticism, the canon issues, like why these books and the other books. And like it's just a really good overview mm. of just about any angle that someone might have of how do we get our Bible? And it includes talking about like translations, like even like English translations um, from like before the Reformation and through the Reformation and then like contemporary English translations. And so there's a lot of interesting just little tidbits in there that I wasn't aware of in terms of some of the history behind different translations and that kind of thing. Hmm. And um, it's very well researched, very well written, but still very accessible I think for an ordinary reader. You don't hmm. have to be a New Testament scholar to read it, follow it, benefit yeah. from it. So, Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's my – I remember when that came out. What did that come out? 18 months ago? Two years? No more than that. Okay. It's, it's, it's a, a fairly new publication. Yes. Yes. So that is my one thing I liked. All right, John. Uh, we have talked. We have teased our episode 200. Dum, dum, dum. Excited for it. We have talked college football. We've talked NFL football. We have talked godliness. We have talked the 1989 earthquake. We have talked about a guy that John met who has a lot of old tools. Very cool old tools. Yeah. Very cool. And we've talked about a book that I just recently 
And so I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. So all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all. Go good. Later. <laughs>